Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By Jeff Ulrich. Uh, show sponsored today by Yahoo. And guys, don't forget, we don't only have video. We also have audio. So you can su- su- subscribe to the podcast network. Maybe like listening to us, you don't like looking at Jeff or I's face. We've got the perfect solution. Check out the podcast network. Uh, big week six here, Jeff. Uh, one thing yeah. that's really weird as we get into the quarterbacks here, one thing that stands out, no chalk. We've got Matthew Stafford projected for flat 10% ownership and not a single other player at the quarterback position projected for over 10%. Does that make sense to you? I think so. I mean, yeah, the, I get. I kind of get why nobody wants to – I shouldn't say nobody wants to play Matthew Stafford, but I kind of get why people aren't like – Jumping for joy over cheap Matthew Stafford. I mean, still the Lions. Um, you know, obviously, if Lamar Jackson has been disappointing his last couple times out. Um, you know, Cam Newton coming off COVID. Like, it's not, it's not, there's not like a smash cheap guy under 6K like Teddy Bridgewater was against Atlanta last week. You know, it's Cousins against Atlanta for 6,100. So it's a little bit more expensive. And it's Kirk Cousins, right? Um, you know, Minnesota throws, uh, runs the ball a lot. So, yeah, you just look across the the DFS like landscape and, and the the salary chart. Like I'm just looking at DraftKings right now. I mean, nobody really stands out. Deshaun Watson's price is up. Aaron Rodgers' price is up. Um, you know, again, like Matt Ryan's been playing like garbage. It's um, there's just nobody that like the public can gravitate towards and just kind of latch on. I think Stafford is going to be the chalkiest for sure. Agree with those projections, but um, you know, it's still Matthew Stafford. It's still Lions. So I don't think it's going to get out of control. So here's a game that I think is really interesting this week, and that is the Titans versus the Texans game. There's a whole bunch of reasons it makes sense. Number one, we've never really seen a team, or at least not in recent memory, play on Tuesday night then turn right around to play on Sunday. So I don't know how that how that fatigue's going to play, and it does seem to be built into the betting line a little bit. And you can see, I mean, if you check out Odd Shopper on Osmo, which is a free tool to use where you can compare the odds across all sites, I mean, it's pretty standard, minus three and a half for the Titans everywhere. That line... If it's played on normal rest, maybe they're favored by seven in that game or something more significant. I mean, the Titans have been one of the best teams in baseball. I mean, in baseball and football, I'm all over the place here. We're talking about baseball before the show. Uh, one of the best teams in football. And uh, and, and then the, the Texans, they looked a little bit better last week without Bill O'Brien, but it's not like I think they're world beaters or anything like that. They got their first win of the season. Yeah. Uh, so with, with all that considered, how, how do you view Deshaun Watson? How do you view Ryan Tannehill? And, and how do you view this game as a whole? How, how much do you think that the short rest is going to play factor? I don't think the short rest is going to be a big factor. I think Tennessee was coming off a long rest anyways. And realistically, how much effort did they have to put into that Buffalo win? I mean, Buffalo plays with garbage. That's so true. Um, I'm not too worried about the short rest. And I agree with you on Houston. Like, 
I am not sold on Houston being a good team all of a sudden. Like they didn't really look that good against Jacksonville. Jacksonville was out there was without their four best defensive players. Deshaun Watson was still missing guys wide open. Like he has not looked good to me this year. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, he's hiding an injury. Maybe it's just a little bit of regression or something. But uh, Deshaun Watson just uh, like I'm not really sold. That doesn't mean he can't go off here. It could actually be a, an interesting garbage time spot for Deshaun Watson. I think. I think Tennessee is by far the better team. Uh, I think they're going to win this game by a lot. I like their defense. I would not trust the Houston offensive players, but like I said, it could be a really good garbage time situation for like a Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson stack, and I don't think it's going to be heavily owned. So it's definitely something to think about for DFS purposes, but the way I see this game going, Tennessee, I think, is, is going to beat them pretty handily. Uh, I like their defense a little bit. I can't say anything bad about Derrick Henry, even though he's going to be chalky. Uh, Derrick Henry hasn't looked that great. He's averaging like three yards per carry or something, but at the same time, this is a really good spot for him, and I don't think people need me to tell them that. Just look at uh, what the Houston defense has done against RBs. So it's an interesting game, 100%. It could be one of those games where Watson, Fuller, Henry, and, and you know Henry ends up like three touchdowns, and Watson ends up throwing 50 times, and you get a ton of points. I could see that playing out. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I, I bet the Titans at minus three and a half right when I saw yeah. that line. It, it just looked off to yeah. me. I, I agree. I, I really think that's a good bet. I, I, I agree. I think the line would have been bigger if the, the stuff with Tennessee hadn't been going on. So. so the other quarterback on the other side of Matthew Stafford also pick up a little bit of ownership. Not that much. It's all relative to the slate. But I know somebody who, who you have a great affinity for, Gardner Minshew. <laughs> uh, I think that he's a pretty decent play on, on this slate. And it, it's really hard to say I want to avoid any quarterback because of ownership when none of them are popular. So I'm just kind of looking at it flat and just being like which games do i think have a really good chance to shoot out yeah and i think that lions jaguars game is probably one of the more likely games to turn into a shootout is, is it weird to think that is it is that an odd crazy thing to say like hey stafford and Minshew, that's a shootout coming so i do like the situation too and like i have them ranked fairly high uh for me just uh you know in my rankings um because i i see a lot of the same possibilities right i mean like it's the the Jaguars obviously aren't, aren't really playing that well. They are getting a lot of their players back, like CJ Henderson's back, Miles Jack is back. So that, that's something to consider. Uh, DJ Chark might not play. The thing that worries me about the Jags, and again, this is from someone who's watched them play pretty much every snap this year and, and just how they play. And it also speaks a little bit of Detroit. They, they, they play fairly slow. Like they, they don't, they their games often they like they get beat up and and but they don't really pick up the pace a lot like they're not really good at pushing pace so it worries me a little bit that that um that that could that scenario could play out here where yeah they get behind but you still don't really see like the, a game shootout it could happen it's probably going to happen one week where you know Jacksonville gets involved in another shootout kind of maybe like they did with Tennessee but i don't know that's the only thing that worries me and, and i'm not really super committed to this spot um DJ Chark being banged up also like i just haven't liked the look of their offense when he's been out uh, feels like Minshew just settles for checks downs and, and everyone likes Chanel and I do too. I mean, he looks fantastic, but I really feel like with Chark out, if he's out, he's questionable. Um, that could really just give Detroit uh, a chance to just kind of collapse on those shorter throws. So that's kind of what I've seen from Jacksonville. Again, that's kind of taking just my own analysis and it's more, it's uh, that's more of just me watching the games. I think, I think from a projection standpoint, like I said, Minshew projects out really good. He's a cheap QB. We don't have a ton of other QBs to target that we like super like, you know, unless you want to take the Cousins train, which is fine. I think it's Atlanta. Um, I, I think Kirk Cousins has been playing better, but I think Minshew is definitely in the conversation. And if people are going to be, 
If you can get him like half the ownership of Matthew Stafford, then I, I like that play for sure. Are there any other really cheap quarterbacks, maybe a quarterback that's getting no ownership that you like this week? Kind of like Nick Foles. I kind okay. of, and look, I, I'm a Nick Foles guy too, obviously. Uh, but uh, this is like a me being serious kind of moment here. Um, everybody likes, you know, David Montgomery this week. And you got to like the matchup for the league leader in targets, Allen Robinson. And why, why is Allen Robinson leading the league in targets? This is because he, Nick Foles has been his quarterback, I mean, the last three, three or four weeks. Um, this is a really good matchup. Dante Jackson is, is beat up. The, Carol, the Panthers' first uh, cornerback, he might not even play. And quite frankly, even if he does play, he's been allowing 100-yard games every week. Uh, um, Nick Foles has played Indianapolis and Tampa Bay, basically the two best defenses in the league. Like from a metric standpoint, those are the two best defenses. He actually looked pretty good at times in Tampa when he was getting time to sit back there. I think he could sit back there and really pick apart this defense with Nick Foles and just dumping it off to David Montgomery. Um, I, I really like that three-man stack. I think those are going to be the main targets. You know, maybe Jimmy Graham gets in there for a touchdown, but I don't know if he's going to see enough targets to be viable at 5K. I think Robinson, Montgomery, Foles, you have a really condensed, like almost like a poor man's version of that, like Kamara, Thomas, Drew Brees stack that used to always pay off. I think people are sleeping on the Bears just a little bit. Um, I, I think it's a really good situation. You come back with like Mike Davis maybe on the other side. I think that game is going to be a lot higher scoring than people think. So that is my uh, sort of cheap 1% play there, the Bears this week. I, I like the idea of calling the the Foles, Montgomery, Allen Robinson, like the homeless man's Breeze, it, Kamara, totally Michael the homeless Thomas. man's version of the Saints, isn't it? It's, but it's, it's a similar idea. I mean, all the all the passing for the RB should go to Montgomery, right? So, and look, Robinson, again, I don't know why Allen, I know we're not on wide receivers, but I don't know why Allen Robinson is going so under-owned here. He's leading the league in targets, like, you know, I, I still think that people just look at Nick Foles and that offense and what went on with Mitch Trubisky at the beginning of the yeah. year, and they just think, hey, I don't want anything to do with the, the Bears passing game. Yeah. One thing that's pretty funny about Allen Robinson is Nick Foles the best QB he's ever played with in his entire career. Even in college, Christian Hackenberg was his quarterback. <laughs> the thing is, and you can, you can make the memes about it, whatever, and get on Twitter and complain about it. What else do you want for Allen Robinson if you're an Allen Robinson stat? He is leading the league in targets. Like, Nick Foles is actually getting him the ball. If you go back to that Tampa game, you should be mad at Allen Robinson. He, he volleyed a pass, and I'm sitting here getting steamed up, hitting my own life. <laughs> he volleyed a pass to the other team like he was getting so many targets. So um, I think it's a really good situation for fantasy for Allen Robinson. Yeah, maybe Nick Foles isn't, like, that high of a quarterback, sure. But it's it, he's getting targets, so I don't know what else you want. No, I like it. Uh, you've talked me into a little bit of exposure there, and I was not really planning on it before. Uh, one other quarterback that I think is kind of interesting for cheap here that nobody's going to roster, Kyle Allen this week. Uh, I understand the Giants' defense has been pretty good so far this year, but I still don't totally buy into it. I'd want to see the Giants play better for longer stretches of time before I really buy into them having good offense. The other thing, too, is Daniel Jones has played so much worse than I ever could have expected this year. So teams are always in good field position going up against the Giants. And one thing we saw from Kyle Allen last week is even though he did get hurt and only played – you know, about half the game, he showed rushing upside. We saw him score that rushing touchdown. He looked pretty mobile. I think this is kind of a sneaky upside spot for Kyle Allen at almost no ownership and a really cheap price. I'm pretty sure he's, yeah, he's the cheapest starting quarterback on the slate this week. Uh, any interest from you there? I am I am actually on Team Giants in this game. And I, okay. I've talked to a couple of people, and it seems like people are really split. Like, there's, there's a couple of people I, I consider sharp who are, like, really big on Washington. 
Um, I, I don't really see it. I just don't see it. They have a horrible offensive line. Um, Kyle Allen just like doesn't bring that downfield pressure. I think that, and I think the Giants defense, I, I agree. Like I, I understand like wanting to see them win a game kind of thing, but they played pretty good. Like I, I understand Dallas got points on them. I've actually been impressed watching the Giants defense. Like it's been way better than I thought it was going to be this year. They actually have a decent corner. They've been getting a little bit of pressure. Like they're right at league average in terms of adjusted sack rate. I think they're going to get pressure on Kyle Allen. And I, I just don't see him being able to use Terry McLaren downfield. Although, look, I could be wrong. Maybe Kyle Allen will get like a couple, a couple defaults going this week. But we didn't really see it from him last year. And I don't know why that would change this year. I'm really big on the Giants' D. Um, you know, they were able to come up with some plays against Dallas last week, and now they get like a way weaker offense. So I, I can't be on board with it. Sorry, Greg. You're on an okay. island. It's I okay. do understand the pricing thing, though. But um, you know, again, if I'm going to go with the cheap QBL. I'll burn my money on the Bears, I guess, this week. I will say this, too. I'm, I'm going to get exposure to the Giants' defense also because, I mean, one thing we right. saw about Washington, and, and the same goes for the Giants also, those offensive lines are so bad. I mean, you mentioned how bad Washington's offensive line was. I was totally uncomfortable watching Alex Smith play quarterback last week. He was getting he was getting hit two out of every three times he dropped back. He got sacked. I don't even know what the final tally was, maybe like eight times or something like that. And yep. I was just thinking, boy, you want to bring Alex Smith back from just a devastating leg injury. This is the worst case scenario. He's got Aaron Donald in his face on every single play. <laughs> and it was, it, I was definitely watching it and not comfortable. I know his wife was very uncomfortable in the stands. You could, <laughs> you could see it on her face. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of logic there also to liking some of the Giants defense, uh, Giants defense going against. And it was, it, it's really just a product of the pricing. I think is a little bit of rushing up. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And look, it's still the Giants. It could happen. I mean, you can get like a, under 10k stack with Kyle Allen, one of his receivers. Those those that tend to pay off more than people think. So, yeah. So that, that's I, I, have, I have minimal confidence. I just see the upside for GPP. Uh, today's show guy is today's. Show, I can't talk today. Today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups, make better choices, choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. All right, so going on to the running backs now, a lot of interesting situations this week because we've seen sites, DraftKings and FanDuel now. There aren't cheap backup running backs. I mean, we would have in, in previous weeks, Dalvin Cook would be out and, and Madison would be just an obvious chalk play close to min price. Uh, we've seen Mike Davis basically fill the Christian McCaffrey role during the time that McCaffrey's out. So yep. now that we have Dalvin Cook confirmed not playing this week, Madison's priced right around where Dalvin Cook was before. He also rushed for over 100 yards last week. 7,200 for Madison plus matchup going up against the Falcons. Are you interested or do you think there's a significant drop-off going from Cook to Madison? Oh, this one's tough for me to answer because I I do think there's a drop-off in talent, but I don't know if it really matters that much in the Vikings offense. Like, they're good at running the ball. They basically flow a lot of their offense through the running backs. So, even if you're like not a stud running back, and I don't really think Alex Madison is, is a stud running back, you're still, you still have a high, high ceiling, right? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So 
I don't want to talk down Alex Madison and be like, this is a terrible spot. People you need to get off. At the same time, it, there is a pretty big talent difference in my opinion. Um, I, it's just a spot where I, I'm, I'm absolutely fine taking the L. I think this is a good fade spot. Um, I, I really do. I, I think you're getting a bump down in talent. Um, and again, you're getting the, the other side of this is I would be fine eating the Alex Madison shock if I, if there wasn't other viable plays. Like, I think you made a good point about the salary. He's not six. He's not five. He's 7,200. So in the 7,200 range, you're putting him up a guy against guys like Derek Henry and Aaron Jones, who, by the way, is projecting for well under 10% guys in the Osmo model uh, projections uh, right now. So just drop that a uh, little bit for you guys. And Mike Davis, who's just been a week-in, week-out reception monster. I think all these guys have similar upside. Maybe they don't have as good a floor because, you know, they don't have the Falcons playing uh, as a matchup. But for me, it's just one of those spots um, I, I feel like at 7,200, it's okay to fade it because he is basically going to be Probably the most chalky, um, you know, projecting as the most chalky cube uh, running back, excuse me. So I'm rubbing off on you. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's Saturday morning. It's early here. But, um, you know, the people understand what I'm saying. He's going to be chalky. He's 7,200. It's a bump down in talent. I get the matchups great. Um, you don't have to fade him completely, but I, I would rather be underweight than overweight in GPPs. Yeah, I mean, this is, if Madison has a really big, let's say, I don't know, two, three game stretch before Dalvin Cook comes back. What are the Vikings going to think about a Dalvin Cook contract? Just knowing, yeah, like, hey, we could have replaced this guy with anybody, and they would have put up comparable numbers. And Madison was great in the Sunday night game. He ended up, or was it Monday night? I forget what it was. But he rushed for he rushed for over 100 yards. Like I said, he had a big fantasy game, and that wasn't even as the as a full-time starter because Cook got hurt in yeah. the second quarter, I think it was. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, we look at at least the pricing, the pricing algorithms of FanDuel and DraftKings. They're not really seeing much of a difference because Dalvin Cook, if I remember correctly, I think was 7,600 the last time we saw him play on a Sunday. Yep. So yep. Madison's right there. Um, you mentioned Derrick Henry as, as a guy in the same price range you like more. I do have a little bit of concern. Uh, so with the short week, it's hard to know if this was because they knew they were going to be playing on Sunday uh, and there was, the short, if there was the short rest or if it was just due to... Uh, the score of the game, but Derrick Henry played the least amount of snaps that I could ever remember him playing. He played about half the snaps in the Titans game on Tuesday. That's a little bit of a concern for me going up against the the Texans. That also in that he's been kind of underwhelming this year. Uh, yeah. One stiff arm aside. Uh, so how confident are you in Derrick Henry this week? So, yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned Madison and I mentioned Henry. It's not that necessarily I think Henry is is a better play than Madison. Quite frankly, I don't really like not like super, super high on either of them. I think actually, you know, gun to the head, I'd probably take Madison in this spot over Derrick Henry. Um, yeah, it was weird. He didn't play a lot of the snaps. Not sure if that's game planning. Like I said, he's kind of averaged under four yards per carry. But the thing with Derrick Henry is you should get opportunity. Uh, and now they're at home against Houston, uh, a little bit less time to prepare. You would think maybe that would be lean towards just more of them being a take a, taking a bit of a simpler approach, especially against the Texans run defense. It hasn't been good against RBs. So, I think there's actually a little bit more concern around Derrick Henry. I think you're right. Um, but at the same time, the situation really does suggest like this should be a Derrick Henry, Henry heavy game plan. You know, maybe they were just coming out with a, a it was a game planning thing. They did seem to be intent on just getting the ball to AJ Brown in that game, uh, throwing a little bit more. So it was a little weird. I agree. Like the snaps was uh, not what you were expecting, obviously. And then just because we're talking about these two RBs and they're going to be two of the chalks on the slate. The other thing you have to do you have to worry about Alex Madison is Mike Boone is still a thing. 
Um, like Madison, I don't think is going to come out and take like 25 touches. I think you'll see Mike Boone worked in just like Madison was worked in with Dalvin Cook. So something to keep in mind. Um, I, I, I feel like there's a little bit of risk with both these guys. Um, you know, we're talking about the 7K range here on DraftKings. I mean, I think this is, uh, I, I'm okay taking Mike Davis in the spot. I think people are going to shy away because of the Chicago uh, defense. But again, I am expecting a little bit higher pace than people think. So I'm okay doing that for GPPs. You're finally going to get lower ownership on him. And then it's, I, I'm, I'm just going to find a way to get a piece of Aaron Jones. Um, I just feel like he is the best player available on the slate at RB. Um, Vita Vea is out for Tampa Bay. I think it's going to affect their run defense a little bit. And Aaron Jones is just Aaron Jones. He's explosive. He's uh, he's very much like uh, McCaffrey-like if he gets the touches. So it's just uh, that's how I'm looking at RB. Uh, I, I'm not like super – I don't need to be super high or heavy on either Henry or Madison. I feel like Jones being low-owned. I feel like Mike Davis. I'd rather be overweight on those guys. Yeah, I agree with you. Of those 7K guys in that range, Mike Davis is my favorite. If yeah. you just look at his workload, especially in the passing game, and it's a little different for DraftKings versus FanDuel. Uh, I think that yeah. Davis is a much better PPR DraftKings play yeah. than, than FanDuel. The PPR points are just ridiculous for him. I, I mean, he scored over 20 fantasy points in every game since Christian McCaffrey's gotten hurt, and it's because he plays that McCaffrey role. He's getting double-digit targets every week, and that just gives him such a high ceiling and floor. If we're expecting somebody to catch six, seven, eight passes, there's almost no way they fail on DraftKings. And I, I just don't see how people are getting away from Mike Davis. Maybe that changes by the time Sunday rolls around. But the ownership right there is just not nearly high enough for him. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it's a product of, you know, obviously Minnesota playing um, playing Atlanta and then Derrick Henry playing another weak team. I think I just think the matchups are leading to Mike Davis being, uh, you know, going to get a little bit ignored this week. I just don't think people really want a piece of that Chicago-Carolina game, which, like I said, I think is interesting because people are high on, on like, uh, like a David Montgomery and, if you think Dave Montgomery's got a good matchup, it should lead to points. It should lead to more opportunity for the Carolina players too, but plays a little faster. So something to think about anyways, the, I, I really like the way the slate is, is shaping up just from uh, like a, a GPP construction, because you're good. You're, you have skill players that you can pay up for at lower ownership, which I absolutely love doing, um, especially if the, the matchups are perceived bad. And I don't think they're as bad for like guys like Jones and Mike Davis as people think this week. So. Uh, a little narrative on David Montgomery. Going back to last year, has he ever had a remotely decent game in a chalk spot? Do, isn't doesn't isn't it just every game where it's like, oh, this is a David Montgomery spot, and then there's some way that he just finds to not have a good game. He's just not really that great of a fantasy player. No, I mean, I'm well, gonna I'm gonna get some exposure to him uh, just because yeah. it is a good spot and and the price is right. And this is a weird slate where we don't have some you know stud quarterback to pay up for. We don't have a stud running back to pay up for. And especially because of how many injuries we're dealing with uh, this year. So I, I do think that Montgomery's okay, but I don't like him as much as the field does. I think there are some other really good looking plays in the same price range. Uh, I like David Johnson for a little bit cheaper. Uh, one guy who I'm having a, a really tough time getting a read on this year is Jonathan Taylor. That, that Colts backfield situation yeah. has been so tough between Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. It seems like at least the, the first week Marlon Mack got hurt, we, we come back and Taylor plays almost all the snaps, has all the production. And I just like, okay, Hines isn't going to be all that involved. Then all of a sudden it's Hines the next week. And since then I've just kind of given up guessing a little bit. I haven't taken yeah. stands. Uh, do you have any more confident of a read than I do? I mean, from from just the the matchup perspective and what you think the Colts should do in this game, like you know, Philip Rivers not playing well. You got the Bengals, a weak linebacker crew. They're like the third worst yards per carry against in the league. 
this should be a spot where Jonathan Taylor plays like 65% of the snaps gets like 20, 20 touches at least. And just, you know, rolls, but who knows, man, like Jordan Wilkins is, is hanging around. Like he's just, he didn't, he only took one carry last week, but that was kind of like negative game flow for him. It's, you know, if, if he was like inactive, that would be a great sign. I mean, I, I hopefully we can wake up the Sunday and be like, Oh, Jordan Wilkins is inactive. That would really get me high on uh, Jonathan Taylor in the spot, but there's, there's an, a big element of risk and I'm not really, I'd look early in the week. Like I didn't even want to play David Montgomery, but you just keep looking at the spot between Taylor and Montgomery and there's no Tariq Cohen. I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest difference from, from Montgomery this year to last year. Matt Nagy doesn't have Tariq Cohen to bring in and just, you know, take away like 10, 20, 12 snaps or 10, 12 touches, quite frankly, from David Montgomery. Montgomery is the passing back. And we've, we've seen Nick Foles. Nick Foles turned Leonard Fournette into like the most prolific PPR back for three weeks last year. And I think he's about to do it with David Montgomery again. So I don't care if he runs for two yards per carry. That is not why I'm playing David Montgomery. Um, I'm playing it because he should get red zone touches. He's going to get rid the red zone touches, quite frankly. And he's probably going to get eight or nine targets. Like I, I, I'm, and that sounds high, but I'm, that's what I'm expecting. I really think so. I mean, Nick Foles is good at dumping it off to the RBs for whatever reason. Um, it is kind of a part of the Bears' offense. Trubisky was kind of terrible at it, to be honest. Um, but it wasn't um, those things, to be fair. Yeah, it's he's kind of terrible <laughs> at everything, right? So um, I, I think this is a good spot for David Montgomery, and I'm no Mon- Montgomery truther. I when uh, those chalk spots you're talking about, I was the guy who didn't didn't even bother, like uh, you know, paying attention to him. So I, I'm going to have a piece on this week. I like the Bears' offense, like I said. Um, and and Taylor is interesting. The upside is there. I just I just, yeah, it's it's a risky spot. So I like it for GPPs, but um, you know I think with I think with the the other thing with Taylor is with some of the big name wide receivers we're getting back. I think I would rather play one of those guys in a flex over Taylor too, which kind of limits how much I really like Jonathan Taylor this week. My favorite running back on the entire slate right now, Philip Lindsay. He is expected to play this week. Uh, Melvin Gordon looks like he's out. We just got news, I don't know, 15 minutes or so before we started our show here that Melvin Gordon wasn't traveling with the team. He uh, has a DUI situation and then was also, I don't know what's going on there. They said that he's away from the team because he has a flu, which just coincidentally is right after he got a DUI. Uh, He was pulled over going 71 and a 35. Uh, With all that considered, uh, Philip Lindsay. 4,300. It is a tough matchup against the the Patriots, but it's not like their defense is as good this year as it was last year. Uh, the Patriots have also been dealing with their kind of own weird COVID situation, which doesn't look like it's going to prevent this game from being played, but it prevented how the Patriots were able to practice this week. And that could have a little bit of an impact here. Uh, Philip Lindsay, also somebody who's capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. I think at his price, he's a really strong play. I know that there's other concerns about the matchup and the overall quality of the Broncos offense. Uh, Philip Lindsay, how much interest do you have in him? Yeah, I got, I got quite a bit, um, quite, quite a bit. I, I, I like Philip Lindsay as a player. Like I think he's better than Melvin Gordon. Anyways, he fits in this offense. It's not like we have to take a huge guess here. What's going to happen. Uh, Philip Lindsay's, you know, they'll, they'll use on passing downs and stuff like that. And it's just so cheap. I mean, you're getting a main carry, uh, RB, you know, I, I guess I, I get that the Patriots are good here, but Game flow isn't going to take out Philip Lindsay. Um, even if Royce Freeman comes in and takes 40% of the snaps, Lindsay should be the PPR back, like the passing down back. Um, there's a very good chance he'll even be like the red zone back. 
there's just going to be opportunity. Um, I, I, the, the, the Broncos, the other thing, like even if Drew Locke comes back, I don't think they're going to be out there slinging it with Drew Locke just coming back from injury. So it could be a really heavy game plan for Philip Lindsay. I, I think there's a lot of upside here too. And I think your floor is, is really, really safe. Um, I, I kind of like JD McKissick in this range before, but like I, I look at Lindsay and McKissick now and it's really hard for me to make any case to play anyone in this range over him. Um, you know, th- there is some, some interesting guys down here. I actually think Matt Breida could be a thing, but uh, this week against the jets, but again, I'm not going to play a guy who might get 12 snaps and maybe 15 uh, touches if I'm lucky over a guy who's basically guaranteed to get at least 15 touches. Like I don't care that they're playing the Patriots. I like Philip Lindsay. He's probably the best player down here too, just from a pure football perspective. So just like, I would just play him. Um, hopefully the ownership doesn't get too crazy before Sunday. It might, I really don't care. Uh, I'm going to play him. So I, I am too. And yeah. at least for now, he's projected for almost no ownership, except this is obviously before it's updated for the Melvin yeah. Gordon news. So that is going to change it. The other thing too, though, is, I mean, there's so much ownership already going to Alexander Madison and Derrick Henry. Maybe that will keep the ownership at least in check for Philip Lindsay because I think yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I really like him a lot this week. Uh, it's just, it's just too cheap for a running back who number one is going to play a really sizable role. And then two, the passing game upside that he also has on DraftKings. I like him on FanDuel also, uh, but another guy who, who like Mike Davis, a little more favorable on DraftKings than FanDuel. Uh, are there any other running backs you want to talk about before we move on? So we didn't really talk about Aaron Rodgers and the QBs. Um, one stack I'm kind of liking, and again, if you don't, you know, you don't want to pay up for Aaron Jones or you just like other running backs better, kind of like Jamal Williams to pair with Aaron Rodgers this week. Um, one interesting thing is, um, you know, Tyler Irvin is there, was was actually taking some snaps at RB, like, and, and taking some passing snaps away for um, for the uh, for the Packers. So, and away from Jamal Williams, he's out again this week. So it's it's really just it should be like uh, you know at least forty percent of the snaps here for for Jamal Williams, who just looks fantastic as a receiver. Um, I, I think he's got a really I think he's got a way better floor than people realize, uh, especially with how good Aaron Rodgers is playing. So if you're thinking about like a Tampa Green Bay stack, I think a four K is very viable for GPPs. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I'm going to get there. It was definitely something I hadn't considered before. Um, I do kind of feel Devontae Adams being back is going to hurt the the targets that we saw from Jamal Williams because I mean, we saw that that other... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That other primetime game they played, Jamal Williams was kind of the go-to guy in the passing game for them. They yeah. they've, they have so many injuries at wideouts. They have been doing odd things, and one of those things has been getting Jamal Williams really involved in the passing game. I, I am interested to see how that changes with Devontae Adams back. And, I mean, that could transition us right to the wide receiver position. With Adams now back, going up against Tampa Bay, a team that's had a much better uh, rush defense and pass defense over the last couple of years, do you think that Devontae Adams should be the guy to go to at the top of the wide receiver uh, pricing? So, again, it, it's an interesting situation. Carlton Davis, the uh, the top cornerback for Tampa, who everyone is kind of uh, you know on this year just as far as like one of the top defensive players. He's played well. He's, he's banged up. He's very questionable to play. 
he's out. Even actually, even if he does play and he's not 100%, like this, this could be real trouble, I think, for him and just for the Tampa Bay defense with Devontae Adams coming back 100%. So I am definitely um, liking, you know, stacking Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I think it's such an expensive stack um, to start off with that not many people are going to do it. Aaron Rodgers definitely projecting for low ownership. I think just as a one off play, Devontae Adams. I would probably wait on the the Carlton Davis, you know, um, news. Um, I, I would be less bullish on him if, if Davis plays. And the other factor with Adams is just as more of like a one-off or an island play or a cash game play. We have Julio and, and Godwin back. So there's more in that 6K range that are offering pretty good value. Now, we don't know the status of Julio. I think from a health perspective, you feel most confident about Devontae Adams coming off a bye and getting a full week of practice in. But those guys are interesting um, I think from a pure value perspective, I like Allen Robinson better at 7K, but Devontae Adams, I'm definitely going to have a piece. Like I said, I like getting to him in GPPs and then pairing him with his quarterback because I think that's going to make it way more unique. So you mentioned somebody there, and I'm going to make a bold claim right now. It's a Julio Jones week. And here's nice. the thing. I've, I've made some odd claims about wide receivers the last couple weeks. I said, I said it was a Brandon Cooks week. I said it was going to be an Odell Beckham week. This sure. week I'm saying it's going to be a Julio Jones week. I just look at the, the price tag, of, and this is obviously assuming that we don't get any news about him being limited or anything like that. I assume that after they gave him time off and after he left a uh, game early due to the uh, due to the leg injuries he was dealing with, they wouldn't be bringing him back unless he was 100%. That's at least where my logic is on this situation because a guy who had an injury, re-injured himself and was forced to leave a game and then miss a game, I just assume the only way they're bringing him back is if they know that Julio Jones is totally healthy. It also seems like the Falcons have nothing to really play for at this point in the season, so... Why have Julio on the field unless he's 100%? So as long as he's active, that's my mindset. He's fine. Uh, I know Matt Ryan's played poorly. Julio Jones has been ridiculously underwhelming from a fantasy perspective. But 6700 against the Vikings, we almost never get to roster Julio Jones at this cheap of a price. Uh, Calvin Ridley is the guy who's getting more of the, ten- the attention right now. I think that going to Julio is a good uh, leverage play there. It's a good uh, pivot. And also, I mean, Julio's $1,100 cheaper than Calvin Ridley. That would have been crazy to think as we were heading into the yeah. season. I, I love Julio this week. How crazy am I this time? No, I, I, I mentioned the receivers were getting back um, this week. And, and you know, the reason I brought up Julio is because I want to play a low-owned Julio in this spot, man. I mean, you, you, he's probably going to be going up against Cam Dantzler for the um, – for the, for the Minnesota, for the Vikings in, in the secondary there. Dancer's the guy who got absolutely murdered by DK Metcalf last game, like, you know, letting a fourth down pass and stuff like that. But he got murdered in the second half. And now he's got like a bit, just as bad a matchup here against Julio Jones. I mean, Dancer is not a, a quick dude. He's bigger, but he's not he's not fast or anything at all. Um, I, I This is like a bad matchup for him, if Julio's 100%. Now we, I like, I want to wait. I, I would really like to get some confirmation, like even just like a beat reporter be like, oh, I saw Julio run. He looks great. Like that would be enough to me just to like push all in. I'm going to play him anyways, because I think the spot is too good. I think going up against the weaker secondary, lower ownership, like you said, how, like, you're right. Like, like, like you said, Greg, they can't bring him back at 0 and 6 if he's not a hundred or 0 and 5, whatever they are. If he's not a hundred percent, right? <laughs> like I'm just playing that logic. So if Julio's going to be that low owned, I am absolutely playing him this week. I like I will, I will gamble with the hamstring or whatever we're doing here, um, and and get some exposure. I think the matchup screams just huge upside. I think it's going to be a fast paced matchup as well. Neither of those defenses are good, so um, I think that's a really good way to to make unique um, Minnesota Atlanta stacks too. Because I, I think people will just shy away. They'll just be like, now nah, I'll play Thielen or. 
or, or Ridley, you know, but I, I just don't think that many people are going to take a shot with Julio. Yeah, and also just my mindset and how I approach these players, I know it's not safe, but those are the players I, I love. If I could find a guy who I know has historically been a good fantasy producer, is cheap relative to their normal pricing and nobody's on them, those are all the things that scream GPP play for me. Now, I, I will certainly look to jump ship if we find out that Julio Jones is limping during the week warming oh, up absolutely. or something like that. Yeah. Then I'll definitely be off him, but I don't think that's going to be the case. And as long as, he's, as long as he's out there, just everything adds up to him being a really strong GPP play. And you don't need to go crazy with exposure to be overweight to the field. If you make 20 lineups and you make one of them, you're overweight to Julio Jones. I'm going to be rostering more of him than that. But you could get really sensible uh, amount of exposure to Julio Jones, get more of him in the field, because yeah. nobody's going to want to play him after and, what happened in the last couple of weeks. And the chat's making a good point. I mean, like, if, if we like Julio, why not like Matt Ryan with Julio this week? I mean, I think it's I think it's a good idea, too. He's not projecting very much like um, Aaron Jones with Devontae Adams, um, maybe even in like a lower lower owned spot than than Aaron Rodgers, because his, his wide receiver and Julio isn't projecting for any ownership. So. I like that too. Everyone thinks Matt Ryan's washed, but I, I think it's more of a case of he didn't have his best receiver for a few weeks. So um, it, it, interesting spot there. If I was going to make a Minnesota Atlanta stack, I would start with Ryan's Julio, and then you can add in those those Minnesota players too. I agree. Yeah. So the other thing that's good about that then is I think that Adam Thielen is a really strong play this week, but the ownership's already there. He's getting was twenty six percent ownership, the highest owned wideout on the slate. It makes sense. Thielen's been great this year. Uh, especially without Stefan Diggs there. He's getting more targets. Uh, the thing is, is that if you roster Julio Jones, the ownership on Adam Thielen doesn't become as much of an issue because yeah. you're, because you're, or nobody's playing Julio. So you're, you're in a spot where your lineup's already unique. Then you could eat some more of the chalk. Then you could have Adam Thielen. You could have Alexander Madison lineups. And you're just on a different build than, any, than everybody else, even though you have uh, some of those chalkier players. How do you feel about Thielen and his ownership this week? Yeah, I understand it. And, um, the, the thing is, it's, it's almost like, um, it's almost like, I think it was last week when we were talking about the Carolina players. Like, is Thielen and Madison both going to have monster games at, at, at like monster ownership uh, percentages? I don't know. Like, one of these guys probably going to have like a bit of a muted game. You know, maybe only go for like 15 points instead of like 25 or something. So, um, who's it going to be? I, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I think Thielen has more potential to bust just from the perspective of, like Justin Jefferson is there, Irv Smith is getting involved. So I'm a little bit, little bit hesitant on Thielen. Um, not like super hesitant, but you know, again, we're we're expecting what what are we expecting the game flow to here to be? I mean, the, the Vikings are favored by over a field goal. Um, everyone likes Madison. If you like Madison, that's gonna take away opportunities from Thielen. And you have some other guys showing up like Jefferson and Irv Smith. So um I, I would probably be okay fading Thielen as as the the play in this game. Um I think there's cheaper ways to get exposure to the Vikings offense, I guess. Uh, cash game, completely different story. Uh, but, uh, you know, for GPPs, if I'm making like one stack in this game, that might be the chalky play, I'll leave out. Uh, one, one thing I'll say is that when I'm making my rules tomorrow in Fantasy Country tonight, whenever I end up finalizing my lineups, yeah. I'm going to have a rule that I'm not going to have Adam Thielen and Alexander Madison in the same lineup. I mean, we've got yeah. one of the most expensive running backs and one of the most expensive wide receivers, also both the most popular plays at their position. Yeah. It just seems unlikely to me that both of them have a big game. So I'm going to try to avoid having them in the same lineup. Uh, one wide receiver that is coming in also fairly popular and for good reason A.J. Brown finally got healthy on Tuesday after missing uh, most of the season. Looked great. 
He was uh, really well-regarded coming into the season from a year-long perspective, looked great during his rookie year, uh, especially down the stretch. The other thing, too, is that Ryan Tannehill, I think, massively underrated at this point. He's a very good quarterback throwing him the ball. Uh, A.J. Brown did get a big boost because there was no Adam Humphreys, and Adam Humphreys is expected to return this week. I, I don't care. I still like A.J. Brown uh, a decent amount at this price tag. He's way too cheap. The other thing, too, is the ownership is popular, but it's not like he's 30% or anything like that. He's 18% right now. That's a lot less ownership than I expect them to have when I first look at the pricing this week. Do you think A.J. Brown is going to be able to replicate what he did on Tuesday? Uh, I, I, I just I really have a hard time trusting Titans receivers because they don't throw that much. And it just seems really random when they do get the ball to A.J. Brown. I like A.J. Brown, though. Like, he can win. That's the nice thing. It is kind of a tougher matchup. Like, he's probably going to have uh, Bradley Roby, who's actually played really well this year. But he can win in, in, in matchups against, against good cornerbacks. And he's a type of player who doesn't necessarily need, like, 10, 12 targets to go off. So, from that perspective, I like it. Um, from the perspective of I just don't really play the Titans wide receivers much. I, I think it's a good play if you're if you're not going to play Derrick Henry. It, it's very similar to like the Thielen Madison discussion, but at least you're going to you're going to get quite a bit lower ownership on Brown than you get on Thielen, obviously. So it's even a nicer play from that spot. Um, I think from that perspective, Brown makes a lot of sense if you're not like sold on Derrick Henry or you just don't really like him. Um, you know, the, the Titans still have a really big team total, so makes sense from there. Like I said, um, I'm probably going to be more just paying up for guys like Godwin and, and Julio and then going down and, and maybe like getting uh, exposure to like a cheap guy, like maybe a Preston Williams, who I think has kind of similar upside to A.J. Brown. Um, you know, he might not see like a ton of targets, but he's going to get downfield targets. He's going up against a weak secondary in the Jets. Um, I kind of that's one of my top plays from from under 5K for sure this week. But um, A.J. Brown, interesting, like I said, always has the potential to go off especially on, and doesn't need a ton of targets, but I just don't think I'm going to get there this week personally. All right. Uh, I feel differently. I'm going to be getting to plenty of AJ Brown this week. Uh, one more wide out that I kind of feel we have to talk about who I'm shocked is not picking up ownership right now with Deontay Johnson expected to miss this week's game. Right. Chase Claypool is projected for under 1% ownership. That That's going to go higher by the time that Sunday rolls around. But I thought he was going to be super chalk after last week. It, was, it wasn't it was just that he had the monster fantasy game. It was how he did it. He looked super explosive on the field. He looked like a guy who could legitimately be a fantasy star. That's not somebody I think was just a flash in the pan for one week. I don't think he's going to be a guy who scores three, four touchdowns every week the rest of the season. But I think he's going to be a very viable fantasy option, especially with Deontay Johnson out. Uh, the concern here is when everybody's healthy for Pittsburgh, there's just a lot of weapons in the passing game between yeah. uh, Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. But without Deontay Johnson there, I think that Claypool is once again a really high upside player, 5,200. Why do you think nobody's rostering him right now? I think people just are, think they just, this is like stupid logic, but this is pretty much what I think is happening. People just think he used up all his touchdowns last week, like legitimately. <laughs> They're like, he's not going to score a touchdown for like three games. He scored four last week. He can't do it again. So um, that, it sounds dumb, but I, I legitimately think that's a little bit of what people, as holding him back, people just thinking that they're kind of like ahead of reason, you know, they're trying to outsmart themselves, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, the other thing is, I think, you know, you do have guys like A.J. Brown in there, um, Chenault from uh, from Jacksonville. I think they're soaking up a little bit of ownership. Like, people really want to play this Chenault kid, um, he, and he looks good, but I agree. Like, Ch Claypool is, I think, a much better upside target than, than Chenault. Chenault's just being used on, like, underneath routes, 
do, letting him do a little bit after the catch and maybe maybe get like that broken play this week where he does because he looks fantastic after the catch but um Claypool is the one getting downfield targets like he is the one who is going to get you like a 50-yard touchdown more likely scenario there so um I think the ownership will come up a bit but I don't think it's going to get up to anything crazy and I agree 100 percent um like I even forgot about him to mention when I was when I was talking about it. I mean that that's kind of how I don't want to say off the radar he is, but, you know, I, I guess with the Deontay Johnson news just coming out yesterday too, maybe people were just expecting him to play and maybe the ownership will get jacked up uh, quite a bit before tomorrow morning, but I don't think it's going to go crazy. Um, I still think you're going to get him at a really nice, um, really nice ownership. And it very much reminds me of Martavius Bryant in that, that Steelers offense um, where he was just the downfield play guy. And, and it seemed like every week Martavius Bryant catching like a 70 yard touchdown Maybe he wouldn't maybe go without a target for like three quarters of the game. And then Ben would just chuck it up there and he'd come down. It feels like we're going to get a very similar situation with Chase Claypool, who's actually probably a better player than Martavius Bryant is ever was. Um, Definitely now. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, it's an interesting situation. It's something I have to think about too, because I mentioned Preston Williams, but like, do I want to play Preston Williams over Chase Claypool now? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think those guys are close. I think, uh, you know, you throw AJ Brown and Chenault in there, you have, four really interesting wideouts, but you know, ranking them, I, it's hard for me to say that like Claypool's upside isn't the best. So yeah, that, and I mean, and Roethlisberger's looked so much better than I expected him no. to this year. I thought, I thought he was going to come back from that elbow injury. I thought he was going to look washed and that has not been the case. Roethlisberger has looked pretty much as good as ever. And he has a ton of targets to throw to the Steelers offense. And in particular, the passing game is uh, terrific. So, guys, get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all the premium content and tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more. If you're only looking to play NFL, we also have an exclusive NFL weekly package for only $14.95 or give our NFL Express weekly pass a shot for $3.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join Awesome Plus today. Let's talk about these tight ends. And once again, we've got the poo-poo platter of tight ends because we we no longer have George Kittle. We don't have Travis Kelsey on the slate. So we, we're right back to a slate where we potentially get uh, 12, 12 fantasy points from a tight end ends up winning uh, yeah. GPP. I don't really have any strong takes on the tight end position this week. Apparently the field doesn't either because Johnny Smith's projected for 11%. And then we've got everybody else's like eight, seven, five percent. So I'm going to be spreading pretty thin at tight end. Uh, is there anybody you're really confident in? I mean, I don't know about confident, but when <laughs> when I see a, a a slate like this with tight end, like you said, you know, maybe someone gets like 15 points or something. I'm playing Irv Smith in every lineup this week at 2,500. <laughs> I'm just going to take the savings, and if he gets me five points, that might be enough. Like legitimately, that might be enough to to do well in a GPP. Um, he did start running more. He ran the most pass routes he ever ran uh, in the season last week. He played the most snaps he ever he ever played. Uh, on, he played in the on, in this season last week. Uh, his usage went up. He saw his most targets. I think he had his most catches for sure. Um, he, he's a good tight end, and you know he has started to see more usage than Kyle Rudolph. I think that trend could continue here. It's a really good matchup against Atlanta. Everyone wants to play Thielen. Um, uh, Irv Smith could definitely get some targets here. He's going up against the second worst team uh, guarding against tight ends. That is my play. That That is it. I think you pay down as much as possible. I know a couple other guys I talked to this week kind of like uh, Trey Burton for the same 
same idea. I think there's more of a chance that that Irv Smith gets uh, gets involved here because I think that game has way more shootout potential. Um, but you know, same idea with with Trey Burton. The other guys, I just you know, I, I put Evan Ingram in a lineup, and I'm like, 4,900. Am I really wasting 4,900 on Evan Ingram on the slate? I just want to go as cheap as possible. That is my that is my take at tight end. I really don't have any other take because there's really nobody else I want to play. It is a really interesting slate because, I mean, think uh, to what was it, two or three weeks ago, Darren Waller was in GPP winning lineups and he scored 1.2 yeah. fantasy points as one yep. of the most expensive tight ends on the slate. And we've seen that happen at times this year where there just there aren't any good tight end plays and it just doesn't matter. So in, in that in that sense, I can understand why you just you go to Herb Smith and yeah, he yeah. might he might score two fantasy points. and It might not matter because that might be what every other tight end scores also. Uh, if I'm going to point out some other players, though, um, Johnny Smith, I guess he's okay. The ownership's a little high for me for Johnny Smith. The price is also pretty high, 5,200. Uh, Zach Ertz at 5,000. There are so many injuries to the to the Eagles receiving core. And the other thing also is that the Eagles are going to have to throw the ball in this game. They're yeah. playing the Ravens. They're going to be down by a lot. There's going to be soft defense they're facing in the second half. To me, I think that Zach Ertz is the, is the tight end that should score the most fantasy points on the slate. Uh, I like I like him a little bit. I wouldn't say I wouldn't even say I like him a decent amount. I'm just I, I like him relative to the other options on the slate. Five thousand Zach Ertz has looked all kind of washed this year. Uh, yes. I don't mind getting some exposure to him. I still I don't actually mind that play. Um, I, I actually don't. And, and, and you know, looking at it too, just from a, like a long term quality perspective, you got to figure Zach Ertz is going to come up with like one big game this year. You know, you know, like he'll he'll find it. He he knows people are talking about him. And Baltimore's linebacker crew, like, they get talked up a lot. They're really not that good at coverage. I mean, uh, we saw Jordan Akins go for, for a, like, a pretty big game from them now that I'm, I'm remembering. And um, and I think this this could actually be a spot. I think you're right. I think, I think if you pay up, Earth is the guy. Like I said, I just don't really – I don't think I can do it with Evan Ingram again. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I mentioned before, I just don't think he's going to get the targets to be viable at 5K. Like if he's thirty five hundred, sure, I'll, I'll I'll take on that, but I'm not going to pay five k for Jimmy Graham. He's an easy easy avoid. Tanyan, I like Tanyan, but like fifty one hundred uh, again uh, with Devonte Adams back, I just don't think the targets are going to be there. Um, I I would go rather go down to Ebron if you're looking for like a touchdown dependent kind of guy, um, because he's way cheaper. But I think Ertz has has the is the one guy here who really could see like 10, 12 targets and really produce something like. Uh, you know, a monster game. Other than that, though, um, I'm paying down as far as possible. I even think Anthony Ferkser of, of Tennessee, like, might be viable if, uh, if if they still have some injury problems. Like, I just, uh, we've, we've seen it play out so many times this year. I'm just embracing it. Um, you know, if a guy gets me five points, that might be enough on the slate, so. One more tight end I want to mention before we move on. I kind of think Jordan Akins is decent as long as he plays. He's listed as questionable to play right now. He's only 3,300. I thought he looked really good early in the season when he was yeah. healthy. He, he looks yeah. like the number one tight end there over Darren Fells. He was also getting a decent amount of targets. He just got hurt so early into the season that we didn't really get to see any follow-up on that to see was, was it just one game or is it for real? I kind of think Jordan Akins might be decent. 3,300 going up against Tennessee. Uh, I think that Houston's going to be throwing the ball a lot going forward. Uh, I, I think that that's a viable play. Uh, any any feels on Jordan Akins? No, I like Jordan Akins. I agree. He's looked good. Um, you know, you do have Brandon Cooks getting involved there, which worries me a little bit about how many targets he's going to get now. But yeah, it, like I, I've kind of been waiting on the Jordan Aikens touchdown event. 
I guess he scored in week one, but um, he hasn't like uh, done much since then. He's been banged up though. So he's only 3,300. I, th- I think that's fine for him. Uh, obviously you'd like him more if he's like 2,900, but I think on this slate, um, Aikens has at least the potential to help perform guys in the 4k range, hundred percent. I agree. So I don't mind that play at all. Um, I'm, I'm just, uh, I just can't get away from that price on Irv Smith. Like I really can't because it's so cheap. And now that we have guys like Julio and Godwin in play and, uh, like multiple running backs up there that you might want to pay up for, for, you know, either low ownership or you just want to, you just need like a need for a game stack. I just love the min price guys this week. Um, and, and really it's just one guy. So that's, uh, that's my strategy. I know I've, uh, I've revealed my hand, but, um, I think Aikens is at least viable. I think uh, I think if you're going to pay up, 100%. I agree. Zach Ertz is probably the play. Um, I think Ebron at 4100 at least brings you some pretty solid like touchdown upside potential. And I'd rather pay pay down to him than uh, go to like Graham or, or Ingram. I think so. Um, that's kind of how I'm looking at tight end. I really do feel like mm-hmm. if you if you need the savings, you know, you you cut you cut at tight end this week. Um, I, I think you just got to embrace the embrace the way the slate is going. So. Yeah, no, that, that's that's reasonable. I think the, definitely one of the more likely scenarios is that none of the tight ends have a big game, and it's just a position that does not really matter all that we all that much this week. We've seen it happen before. This seems like it could be the case again. Uh, our favorite position to talk about coming up right now: the defense and the special teams. Uh, before we get there, guys, don't forget to give us a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel because we just want to give you more information. Right? Then you know when we're going to go live. Hit the notification bell. Help us help you. Get some advice from Jeff and I. All right. The defenses now. God, I wish they would just get rid of defense and special teams in DFS, but it what is would they good. replace? If they were going to replace defenses with what what would you like? Would you do an IDP? Uh what if there's just a flex spot where you have to roster somebody who's like under 3,500? Well, that's a good idea. There we go. Problem solved. Definitely wouldn't be a kicker. I don't like that either. What about two QB? No, that's that's getting too crazy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I like two QB yearly leagues, but yeah. I, I don't really. I don't really like it for DFS that. either. No. Sets up too many stacking situations. Mm-hmm. All right, DSTs. There's actually one defense picking up a ton of ownership this week. The Dolphins going up against the Jets. I get yeah. why that's the case. The Jets are terrible, and obviously we've had the Sam Darnold, uh, Joe Flacco situation there. Uh, I I I just can't reason getting to a lot of Dolphins when they're fifth. When they're what was that noise? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> was it did Nolan not not mute himself? Was that I might have that been was? our producer? Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> so this uh, is my ghost in the in the show today. That's good. Uh, well, maybe we should ask his cat then. Maybe his cat would have a stronger take on defenses than I do. Uh, I, I was going to say anyway before 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 Nolan and his cat jumped on. Dolphins defense project for fifteen percent ownership. I get why going up against the Jets. Uh, Twenty nine hundred is a reasonably cheap salary. I, I just can't get behind fifteen percent ownership for a, a not good defense. Yeah, with with the Dolphins. Um... I mean, they're getting Byron Jones back. You're right. Like this, I wouldn't categorize them as a lead or anything. They're 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 playing okay uh, in spots. Like they're getting a little bit of pressure, but it's not it's not like you'd say a dominant pass rush or anything. They really took advantage of like a hobbled Jimmy Garoppolo last week, and it, it made them look better than they are. Um, I don't think they're like a bottom tier defense either, but they have been run on before. There's there's definite bust potential. I mean, it's the team coming off like a, a massive win who who was out west last week, so. 
I, I do like the spot. Like I, I kind of want to play them, but I'm just, I, I'm not going to eat like a chalky dolphins defense either. Like I, I just like, it, it's in my nature to just be like, no, like we're not doing this. So um, I mentioned the Titans. I think they're a very easy pay down spot. Nobody wants to play defense against Deshaun Watson. I think that's, I think it's absolutely fine with the way the Texans are playing this year. I don't, I'm not scared of that offense at all. They looked good against the third stringers for Jacksonville last week. Great. Now, like it's, it's not going to be, I, I just don't, I'm just not a believer in that team or that offense right now. So I think that the, the Titans are a very easy swerve play. Um, I think the Titans are the better team there. Uh, I, I actually really like like just going down to there um, if, if you're if, uh, mainly for GPPs. I, I do kind of think the Dolphins are fine for cash games. Like I trust them enough as eight point favorites, but it, it's not it's just not a spot that I, again I'm I'm all super in love with either. I, I'm trying my best to pay up for the Giants. Um, always don't mind paying up for the Steelers either. Um, Colts, if you really want to get up there, although I, I just rarely ever pay that high for a defense. But um, the Giants are really the team I'm trying to pay up for. And like I said, if I can't get up there and uh, I'm stuck on the Dolphins, I'll probably just switch down to the Titans. Uh, so one defense I really like, I pick on the Giants all the time. Washington, 3,300. We've got Chase Young back healthy now. Chase Young has been a total yep. difference maker on the front seven for Washington. The Giants offensive line is terrible. I mean, he combined that with all, of the, all the mistakes that Daniel Jones makes. Takes a ton of sacks. He can't go a game without turning the ball over. He's turned the ball over, was in 17 of his 18 starts now. Oh, and man. eventually, eventually defense is just going to start scoring touchdowns against the Giants because you yeah. can't throw multiple interceptions and fumble the ball every game and just not have teams score against you. So that, that's going to be something that happens. I, I think this is a really high upside spot for Washington. I understand people look at Washington and just go like, hey, that's a bad team. I don't want to roster them. 2% ownership for a defense with a strong front seven going up against the Giants. I'm in on that. That's my favorite GPP defense on the slate. Uh, so now, Jeff, we'll wrap up the show. Favorite stack of the slate, quarterback to running back, wide receiver, tight end combination. Who do you have? Yeah, so, I mean, look, I, the Bears are kind of like my low on play, but my favorite stack is, is still to target that Green Bay-Tampa Bay game. Um, I know Devontae Adams is going to get ownership, but really the rest of the pieces in that game, they're not going to be they're not gonna be super chalky at all. You could... I, I, you know, you could try and fit in Aaron Jones, but I, I kind of like going to Jamal Williams again. Like I said, I just feel like his floor is going to be okay if he gets in the end zone. He could easily match and maybe even beat um, Aaron Jones on the slate. Um, so I like Rodgers, Williams, Devontae Adams. I like coming back with Godwin. Ronald Jones, an RB we didn't even actually touch on. Um, you know, Fournette's still really banged up. Even if he's active, I don't think Fournette's going to play. So I think you can mix. Um, I, I just think that's a really good game to stack. It's got the highest uh, projected point total. Um you know, uh, the Tampa Bay defense is a bit banged up. I think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers play good again, and uh, I'm going to try and pay up for a bit of lower ownership on Give me Matt Ryan to Julio Jones. There, there's no ownership there. There's a lot of upside. Uh, I would say that it's uh, very likely to blow up in my face. Uh, this is definitely a low-owned spot where there's a ton of variance. Uh, not difficult to see a way that it could go wrong because it's gone wrong in basically every way possible so far to start the year but I mean they have the Falcons have had some games with good offensive showings before they lost that game to the Cowboys they scored a million points uh, I still think Julio Jones is really good he just hasn't been healthy this year as long as he's healthy as long as there's no issues there obviously that's good news for him good news for Matt Ryan too if Julio Jones is is full go so I, yeah. I think that's an upside spot that's getting no attention this week we'll be we'll be down on the ship with Julio together opposite nice. size Washington Giants game so we can come back and 
taunt each other next week about that. But um, you know, we'll 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 go down with the Julio ship together this week. So. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe Fanduel scoring won't work, and he'll just have his real point total showing for the entire week, and that would, be, <laughs> that, would that would also be thrilling. So that'll wrap up the show, guys. On the way out. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Give a little boost to the show. Oh, we've also got the NASCAR show coming up on the Osmo channel, so stick around for that also.